how you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl, Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And today, family, we are talking to Stephen of Even Stephen Money, and he's going to discuss how he paid off over $100,000 in debt and so much more. Enjoy! So who is Stephen? Stephen Donovan is a college graduate who has worked in banking for over 10 years, and today he is a self-employed financial coach helping those ready to make a change to reach their financial goals. His financial journey has included paying off over $100,000 in personal debt, paying off his home mortgage, and investing his way to knocking on the door of financial independence, all along with his wife by his side. So without further ado, let's get into this interview. All right, Dumb Coins family, we have another fantastic guest. We have Stephen from Even Stephen Money, and he is going to share how he paid off over $100,000 in debt. And also, he's going to talk about how he house hacked and his current career as a financial coach. Let's give it up for Stephen, y'all. Yay! <laughs> I wish people listening could clap, and then they would just like send it to me. Right, right. <laughs> I appreciate it. I saw the hands together. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate, you know, coming on. And it's always funny to hear, like, it's almost funny to hear about yourself a little bit. You're like, oh, okay, that's what we're going to talk about. You're like, oh, that's, we're going to talk about me. Got it. Okay. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, Stephen. How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Uh, we just talked about it a little bit, but, you know, sunny Florida. I'm enjoying yes. today's weather. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying today. Today's a good day, like many days, but we're recording here on Friday, so a little bit happier, a little bit more of a smile than most days. So it's good. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to kind of start way back in the beginning. So you know what they always say, everything starts with a decision. So when you made that choice, you're seeing over $100,000 in debt. Why decide to pay it off? What was that turning point? Because debt is seen as something very normal. It's something that a lot of people have. And we kind of just accept that we're just going to have it until we die. So like, what was that changing point for you? Yeah. So I want to say I had really kind of two breaking points. Um, one of them was, so I had actually had moved down to Miami, Florida to see if a relationship was going to work. And I came down and I came down with uh, great intentions, not much of a plan. and. So I came down with a little bit of savings. I didn't come down with any job. So I was trying everything. And when I say everything, I mean anything from lawn mowing to playing poker to assistant basketball coach to like, you name it, I was trying it. So I got to a point where that just wasn't enough and it wasn't working. And it was also during a tough economic time. I believe it was back in 2009, if memory serves me right. So a little bit tougher um, of time for getting a, a nine to five job. And what ended up happening was I had all of my student loans and I had my car payment and all this debt, right? And I actually ended up getting a letter from my student loan, my private student loan company. And they let me know that my payment was tripling. And I was already struggling to you know, make the payments. So when I saw this, I'll say I freaked out. Uh, you know, I, I did everything I could. I called them and, you know, found out what the next step, why was it going up so high, et cetera, et cetera. But it really was just an eye-opening, you know, breaking point or eye-opening experience, but a breaking point for me where I knew I had to, I had to do something else. So I actually picked up and I moved back to the Chicagoland area where I worked during, during college. And I ended up getting the same job that I had in college, which was caddying at a golf course. But I knew I could get immediate cash, immediate money. I could, I could start everything off. So that's what I did. That was a big breaking point for me where I kind of said, okay, the biggest breaking point really was that. And then also, you know, really getting full-time income. So I was getting money from my job that I had in, in college. But also very quickly after that, I was hired full-time at US Bank or at the bank uh, that I worked at for a while. 
Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that would have caused me some <laughs> some heartache and some headache. Triple yeah. the payment? I didn't know they could do that. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, well, what happened from what I remember was, so I was like, I was doing everything I could to avoid any payments, right? So I was deferring it. I was making small payments. I was, they ended up, what, what happened, I basically had exhausted all of the, like, the options. And then they were like, hey, you have to go in this plan, this graduated plan or whatever it was. And I wasn't paying that much at the time. But to have it triple was just, it was a shock to me, a shock to my senses. And that's really what happened. Now, could I have figured out something to, you know, I guess make it all go away again for a little while? Maybe, <laughs> um, probably. <laughs> but uh, it was more of like, hey, you know, get up, let's go. Like, you got to do something different. This path that you're on right now is not the path that's going to work. Wow. Yeah. So then the exact amount, I believe it's, it was 116000 if I'm correct. Oh, man, we have to get out the calculator. <laughs> I can go through all of them. Yeah, it was like 60. It was in between 55 and 60000 in student loan debt. I had a used Mercedes Benz that I ended up getting after college. That was, I believe I got it. It was in between 18. I think it was $18,000. I had a personal loan to my parents. That was in between 35 and 40. And then I had varying amounts of credit card debt. So went down to Miami, that savings went away quickly. So did any income that was coming in. And then the credit card debt ended up building up. So all of that, yes, it was over $100,000. I one sixteen sounds about right. Ooh. So you see the debt, you have some income coming in, you move back to Chicago to save on expenses. What's your plan of attack? What's the deadline? How do you structure this debt repayment plan? Even thinking about it sometimes, it can be overwhelming in a way. Yes. Like, how do you, what do you do? You got 60 here, you got 20 here, you got... So what ended up happening was, again, getting that full-time job, that was crucial. You know, I had income coming in, but I still just had so much debt that I was looking for ways to either make more income or reduce the expenses. And I went with reduced expenses to start. And so since I moved to Chicago, I was lucky enough to be able to live with a family friend for a short period of time. So that helped out. But he also gave me the tough love approach and was like, hey, when you're all set, you got to go. I was like, okay, okay. So this isn't going to, you know, I'm not going to like go really fast because I don't have a rent or a mortgage payment. This is just temporary. So when I moved down to Chicago, I ended up selling my Mercedes-Benz pretty shortly after that. Took a small loss, ended up doing like break-even analysis. The personal finance nerd in me was like, how long is this going to take? And so I sold that. And that, that was really big. That was a big starter because my payment, I believe, was right around $350. Add in insurance, add in gas, everything. So I took $500 out of my monthly and I lived about a mile away from my job. So I could either walk, bike, or bus uh, to get there. So it wasn't a huge deal in terms, you know, anyone who's lived in Chicago kind of knows that you can get there if you want to without a vehicle. It might not be as fast, you might have to plan ahead, et cetera, et cetera. But so that was big. That was a big moment. I did end up living on, uh, living with some roommates for a little while. And then a big, actually, another big thing kind of that I alluded to a little bit before was I ended up proposing to the person that I was actually, I left in Florida. And that was a big part of really my debt story. Another kind of aha moment or a breaking point was that I was going to get married in a very short period of time. And it was kind of also part of the reason why I wanted to get out of debt was because kind of in my head, I didn't want to basically hand over all this debt to my new wife. I wanted to get rid of it as much as possible. I wanted to be, I keep thinking of like man of the house. I'm not sure why that's what comes up, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think. Like, hey, you need to be responsible for some of these things. You can't just say, hey, I need some help. Like you're the one who needs to, to step it up. So I started taking things, I'll just say a lot more seriously. So getting married really made me have a little bit more of a why. And then I ended up tackling things, you know, one at a time. And it, it goes back to the, you know, can you lower your expenses or can you increase your income? And I went through and really read everything that I could. So in terms of reducing expenses, there's something that I now do with, I used to do it with my own stuff and I still do, but I try to do it with everyone. And it's 
can you eliminate that expense? Can you reduce that expense? Can you negotiate that expense? And you can do it with everything. It's a lot easier with like subscriptions, for example. But an example is mortgage or, or rent. Can you eliminate it altogether? Now, most people would, you know, I can't get rid of my rent. You got to think a little bit bigger. You got to say, okay, what if I got a roommate? That could cut it in half. What if I got a couple of roommates? You're like, well, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, that's fine. That's, you know, not everyone's going to eliminate their, you know, their rent or mortgage. But yeah, we'll probably end up mentioning it, but house hacking, talk to your landlord. If you're renting, could you say, hey, you know what? Can I mow the lawn? Can, you know, can I reduce that a little bit? There's a bunch of things that you can do to reduce your expenses. And I did some of them. You know, the big ones for me was just, you know, like reducing my cell phone, reducing my, my transportation costs and, you know, ended up reducing my housing costs. So all of those were part of it in terms of reducing expenses. And the next thing happened was, you know, you kind of get to a point where you're good, right? I don't want to reduce my, let's say my coffee budget. I don't want to reduce my food budget, whatever it is, right? You get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm good. This is my baseline. This is my, I'll say rock bottom in a way, rock bottom budget. And then you look for ways to increase your income. And really that was the next step to make it go a little faster to accelerate it. Yeah. I love that. Like eliminate, reduce, or negotiate. That's a really good strategy. I think that many of us even I've heard of people, you know, negotiating rent, like you said, oh, can I mow the lawn? Can I, you know, clean up the front area and get my rent reduced? That's actually really, really good, effective strategies. And so then with your, well, girlfriend at the time, now wife, how did she feel about the whole debt repayment? Was she like scared? Like, well, you have a hundred thousand dollars, you know, like, what is this? Or was she like, yeah, babe, we can do it. You know, how did she feel about it? So she had gone through her entire life, basically with no debt. So she was taught that, oh, wow. you know, okay. you're gonna, basically, if you want to go to college, you're going to get a scholarship of some sort, you're going to work your way. So everything that she had coming out of college, she worked for, uh, you know, with the scholarship, they had a Florida scholarship, I forget exactly what it's called, but I think it paid like 75% of her tuition. And then she got a you know, job to work for the other. So when we ended up getting married, the only thing she had was her mortgage that she ended up getting a really it was an investment property, but it was, you know, a, a mortgage. So one of the biggest things and not everyone does it this way, but this is how we ended up doing it. So we had a conversation and it ended up being whatever you brought into the marriage, that's what you were responsible for. So she was responsible for her mortgage and I was responsible for all the, you know, the fun debt, the, the car had gone away, but the student loans, the credit cards, uh, and any you know personal loan debt. So we decided to go about it that way. And it sounds in some way like you could look at it and say, oh, you know, you aren't in it together, or that sounds harsh. But and maybe at that time I thought about it, like, hey, I don't like this. But in reality, what happens is I kind of say, no one hates your debt more than you do. So I ended up being very motivated to get ahead. And it wasn't that she wasn't, I'll say, helping, but she wasn't using any of her money to pay down my debt. So for example, if we had a, our rent payment, let's say it was $1,000. If $1,000 or if $500 was too much for me, she would take on you know, $600 instead of the $500. So to kind of even it out. So a little helper here and there, but all of the money that I paid down with the debt, it, it wasn't my own. It was from my nine to five were other endeavors that I, that I ended up taking on as, you know, as time proceeded. So it probably took longer, I would say, because of that, because two, you know, two incomes versus one income, you know, kind of obvious that it's going to go a little bit slower in this case. But it also meant that I cared a lot more about it. So, and I think that's what had me, I'll say, immerse myself into paying off debt in the personal finance world. And it's probably, you know, the reason that, you know, I think one, I probably paid it off with the speed that I did, um, the salary that I did, et cetera, and why I probably enjoy all this stuff so much, even more. So she came out of school with no debt. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's so cool. And it seems like you also had like a group of people from, you know, your friend that you were living with for a while to your wife, people who gave you that tough love. Like they're like, hey, we're here for you, but we're also not going to baby you. And I think that that's awesome. And that's really important to have people around you that support you, but don't baby you at the same time. 
when you were, you know, you're making progress or you have a full-time job, you got some side things going on, you're paying off your debt. Did you find that in the middle area that you kind of had a hump, you know, like maybe you paid off like 55,000 was there for a time where you feel like, you know what, I'm tired of doing this. Like, <laughs> let me just take on this debt and just be done with it. And it's whatever. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You know, I probably did. Like, I don't have a specific moment. But I do know like things that helped accelerate and things helped me to get more motivated. So very early on when like when we got married, I ended up getting a promotion or ended up being like an internal transfer, but I ended up uh, getting a higher salary. So that motivated me. I could take some of that extra money, pay down debt a little faster. And then of course, you know, living with my wife and then very shortly when we lived, so we actually ended up again, those familiar with Chicago, great. If you're not, we ended up living closer to, to Wrigley Field in a place called Uptown. And for whatever reason, I ended up going to this thrift store that was not that far up the road from us. And I came back with like, I don't know, five to 10 polos. And they were all like two, three bucks, four bucks maybe. And I showed them to my wife and I was like, Part of me was like, well, I want to wear these. I was like, they were really nice. They were like really nice golf polos that, because I used to work at a golf course. So I had an idea in terms of like how much they cost and brand names and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, these are nice. I think I wear them. And then she was kind of like, yeah, you're going to wear used clothes. And I was like, yeah, just wash it. But, um, <laughs> right. But, uh, then I was, I had a backup plan in case that didn't go so well. I was like, well, I could sell these. You know, I could try to sell them on eBay. And she's like, you know, basically they're not going to sell. And I was like, you yeah, know, until we try. And then that actually ended up starting like a small business for me for a long time. It ended up being a side hustle that ended up blossoming to really, I would buy used men's clothing, gently used men's clothing. And I ended up selling that on eBay and, you know, trial and error, figuring it all out. You know, I had a little bit of knowledge with the golf polos and brand names. And then I had tried to do something similar in college with a Nike outlet. So I would go to a Nike outlet and buy, whether it be a pair of shoes or something that I liked, and then I would put it on eBay. Because my theory or my thought was not everyone has access to a Nike outlet by them. And they don't know that I bought this for $10 and I'm selling it to $50 when the item is you know worth 100 for example. you know They're still getting a deal. And so I had some background in it. And that ended up really accelerating my, my debt payoff. That is, you know, the McDonald's secret sauce or the, the even Stephen Money secret sauce. <laughs> yep. And I made as, you know, I wasn't doing it full time or anything, but I ended up making, I believe I tried like really, really hard one time for, I don't know if it was a month. I think it was a, like a 30 day period. And I made like a thousand dollars in profit that I could take and put towards my loan on top of what I was already doing. So a thousand dollars when, you know, if there's 10,000 left, that's, you know, it's only going to take you 10 months, maybe less. So that was a big kind of getting over the hump too. I ended up having something to motivate me. That was really big. And I'll add on one other thing that I think helped me was besides immersing myself like into everything, right? So I was reading everything. I was consuming everything in terms of library books and podcasts and when I take the train to work, every day I would listen to Dave Ramsey. And it's not that I didn't know what, like, to, that I needed to save money and to, to pay off debt. I just needed someone else to say it to. And yeah, so when I heard him over and over, it also kind of kept me going on the, you know, the straight and narrow. So that was helpful too. That is so cool. So then... With kind of getting over, you know, like those humps and, you know, having motivation on the way, did you find that, like, that the sacrifices felt a little too much at one point? Or did you feel like, this is okay, you know, I can walk to work, you know, I can't have all the luxuries, but it's fine? Or did you feel really deprived? Because I know that's a lot of people's concern. They feel like, oh, I have to give up my whole life in order to pay off debt, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. No, it's a really good point. And I hear it from people anytime that I, especially friends, especially friends that I like grew up with, when I tell them like this, you know, you kind of have the, this new way, this new lifestyle. And you're like, if you did this and this, you could be like this. And they're like, I can't do it that way. I'm not doing this, this or that. I mean, yes, there definitely is. You have to, whatever you want to say, drink the Kool-Aid. You have to buy in. It has to be part of your lifestyle because otherwise, yeah, you are going to feel like you're quote unquote giving up things. 
I think I embraced it. And I ended up, I think, graduating. You kind of go as you go along, you graduate from different people that you listen to or read. So I started with the, you know, say Dave Ramsey, the Get Rich Slow, even before that, Get Rich Slowly and JD Roth, who was very, you know, like, hey, pay off debt and then kind of, you know, expanding my mind. And then I started getting more into financial independence and I would read about Mr. Money Mustache. So I ended up, I legit bought a thrift store bike that was, this usually doesn't happen. I negotiated a thrift store bike because it had like a lock on it. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't have the key. Like, what do you want me to do with that? So I negotiated that. I rode a thrift store bike for like two or three years. And could I have bought some brand new, amazing bike that was $1,000? I mean, yeah, but it would have taken me a while either. Or I would have done the wrong thing to me. And that's just put it on a credit card. So you just kind of have to like embrace it and buy in a little bit to something that, yeah, it might be a little bit out of your comfort zone at first, but you at least try it. Maybe I tried that and I was out. I was like, this crappy bike, forget it. But no, I would sometimes when I ended up living in Chicago a little bit further away, I would bike to work on Fridays, you know, the casual Friday. And I just loved it. It was great. And also it made me really appreciate you know, certain things, right? So I ended up then probably appreciating, you know, an Uber ride a little bit more or uh, even a yeah. train ride sometimes. <laughs> and later on, after I got to a certain point, I believe it's at, I don't know if it's when I paid off all my debt or like right before I ended up buying a, a new bike. Dude, that was like my congratulations, high five in. And it wasn't this expensive, crazy bike. I still have the bike to this day, but it was, uh, I think it cost me 400 bucks. Which, and I think I've had it for at least five years now. I haven't done the, the math, but yeah. So you do have to embrace it. You have to decide. Also in that, I mentioned it that, you know, eliminate, negotiate, reduce. You can't get rid of everything. We could say, hey, do you want to give up your phone? You want to eliminate your cell phone? Most people, especially now, would think that is the craziest thing ever. And I'm pretty close to agreeing with them. Unless you're like my dad, who's, you know, 75 and is like, I don't need this phone anymore. But there's also different ways that you can say, okay, well, I'm not giving up my phone, but do I need a $100 plan or an $80 plan? Probably not. Could I get away with a $50 plan? Let's say that's that was your reduced, right? That was your reduced part of it. Or maybe you negotiated with the company and you ended up saving 30 bucks. And you're still in that same lifestyle at a, at a reduced kind of level. And you can live with that. Or at least I could, right? As long as I can make a phone call and send a text message at that time, I was good. But yeah, there's some stuff that you do cut out. But a lot of it for me was just reducing the consumption to levels that were more appropriate with my spending, really, and the income that I had and my goal. Yeah, I love that you also, you kind of got like this sort of like a scrappy nature about you. Like, hey, look at these shirts. I'm going to try to resell them. Hey, you know, I'm going to get this bike. Like you are always, you know, kind of crafty. And I think that's part of, as you said, it becomes like a lifestyle. I think that's part of it, you know, finding bits, pieces here and there. And I love that you went to Uptown because I grew up in Uptown. That is my jam. That's my place. I love Uptown. But yeah, that is so good. And you also mentioned sort of graduating sort of in financial literacy, like there's Dave Ramsey is kind of what I like to think about. That's usually like the first person that people usually go to because it's like debt elimination. But then when you realize like, oh, there's fire. Oh, and there's investing and there's all these different facets. And I know that you that you house hacked. So I wonder why did you choose to house hack as opposed to stocks or like any other type of investment? Why did you choose real estate? So for anyone who's not familiar with house hacking, to start, it's really when you end up living in one part of the house or the property and you end up renting out the other part to either take care of your entire mortgage or at least reduce it. So in our case, we ended up buying a, a two flat or three flat. Chicago is very loose on, on what's a two flat or three flat in terms of legalities. You know, consult your, your realtor, your CPA and all that other stuff. But no, so we ended up buying, we ended up being a three flat and we lived on the top unit. We ended up fixing up the first floor and eventually, or pretty close, eventually, but in a short time, the garden unit as well. And so we decided to go with that for a couple of reasons. So we initially started out kind of 
looking at all of Chicago in terms of where we wanted to live and had every intention, single family home, you know, looked a little bit around the suburbs too, uh, more in the northern suburbs. I wasn't that familiar with Chicago. So it ended up being a little more difficult to find out like, why is this house $100,000 and looks great? And this other one is, you know, 500000 because this is the first real first time for me looking at that real estate and kind of process of elimination and looking into, you know, websites like bigger pockets and finding out just more about what works and what could be the right situation for us. And we, I remember looking at a house in, I'll just say the Northern, one of the Northern suburbs and the taxes were like eight or $9,000. And this house wasn't even that much. It was crazy. I was like, man, it doesn't make sense for us. Like we didn't have kids. And I was like, they're not going to this school district that you're paying so much money for, et cetera. And I'm kind of getting a bug. And I talked with my wife and I said, Hey, what about, you know, us buying a place that we live in and, you know, renting out part of it. And now she's very that, you know, she really liked that idea. She could see it working. She's her family. There's some of that uh, with her. My, my wife is actually originally from Nicaragua, but her grandmother was very much like that, very entrepreneur. So she really enjoyed that idea. And, you know, after a long time of searching, we ended up finding a place and it just ended up being the right thing for us. Not only could we kind of get some of the things that we wanted, but we could also bring in some income to reduce our mortgage. And it just, it just sounded in a lot of ways too good to be true. You know, hey, someone's going to live in part of your house and they're going to pay you for it. Okay, that's fine with me. We had a really, you know, we learned a lot and we had a great experience from it. And I tell, especially family members and, you know, close friends, if you are going to get into investing in real estate and you're just, you know, you're not 100% all in or you're not sure, I highly recommend doing a house hack just because you've learned so much and you end up kind of being, you end up having some room for air, some margin for air as well, because depending on the route you take, for us, we went into it with a little bit more of a conservative approach. Let's say if our mortgage was $2,000 and we were getting $2,000 from our tenants, we didn't care about that $2,000 that they were paying. We said, we we're going to pay the mortgage with our own money. We're going to pay that amount of money. Any money that comes in, you know, almost in, in a way, newfound money. And we decided to take that. Then we put it into, well, in our case, uh, it would either be investments or uh, since my wife had a house, that's how we actually ended up using it as well. Not that we didn't do anything with stocks and bonds and what have you. We were in our, you know, we did put money in 401ks, IRAs, uh, especially the 401k. And we just accelerated it as we got in a better financial position is really what happened. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Oh, that's cool. Because I've actually never heard of house hacking in which you're paying the regular mortgage, but then the money that you get from your tenant, you're, ju you're either putting that into other investments or you're just saving it. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Cool new strategy. I might try that. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it is a little bit more conservative because you're like, well, I've got this two thousand. You know, what should I? You know, do I just pay that money? And then I think it allows you, in some ways, it ends up kind of having a, a clear approach. And also, if for whatever reason your tenant isn't able to pay, or you have you know two days to find a tenant before that mortgage is due. Well, this way you're already paying it with your own money. There's less, that kind of is that room for that margin for error is the approach that we took. Awesome. And I also love that you mentioned taxes because in Chicago, I didn't realize until I started doing research, like one of my friends, like she has a house in Inglewood and she probably pays maybe 700 a year in taxes. And then if you go to other places, it's like, <laughs> it's like $5,000. I'm like, whoa, what is that? Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So, and I guess I wonder, is it kind of the same thing in Miami? Have you seen like taxes are so different everywhere or is it kind of leveled out? So I think for the most part, it ends up being like those big counties. So Cook County, we live in Miami-Dade County. They just, they end up being more in taxes yep. <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> you know, maybe if I lived in, you know, the middle of nowhere, Florida, you know, central Florida, somewhere, my taxes would be lower, but it's kind of part of it is from what I've seen. And it's also going to deal with how much, you know, your house is, is appraised at, et cetera. Buying a hundred thousand dollar house versus buying a million dollar house. 
course the taxes are going to be different. But and then taxes, at least in Miami Dade, they've um, they are not anywhere near what I got to experience in in Chicago. But you know they're they're unfortunately slowly but surely climbing. So you got to do everything you can to well not avoid it, but just to be prepared for it. Be prepared for the tax man. Your whole story, you are, at least in my opinion, you're a person that really goes above and beyond because not only did you, you know, you pay off, you know, $116,000, your house hacking, you got investments on the side, you're doing retirement. These are the markers. Most people would say pretty financially sound, but then you go to the next level and then you also pay off your mortgage for your house hack. So why the choice to do that? instead of just keeping the mortgage on it? Why did you decide to pay off the house in full? Yeah, so originally, I think where it started was, was our original plan for financial independence. I loved the idea of financial independence. And especially at that time when it was probably bigger to be the fire, the retire early. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. But our idea or my idea originally, because my wife was, was a little bit more like, ah, it sounds great. Let's, you know, as long as we're doing the right things, but was to pay off the Chicago home pay off the Florida home, live in the Chicago home, and then live off of the rents that we were receiving from both places. So to do that, what we ended up doing was we ended up accelerating the payment in our Florida home or our Florida investment home, ended up paying off that first. So we actually paid off Florida before we ended up even touching Chicago, which for a lot of people probably counterintuitive. But as you probably have noticed, not everything we do is... um. I'll just say the psychology, or it's, it's more psychology than it is Absolutely. probably the dollars and cents a lot of times. So the reason we ended up paying off the Florida home or the rental home was because that's really how my wife bought in. She loved the idea of paying off her home early. So we got on a plan and a track that said, okay, if we pay our regular mortgage, she pays her the regular mortgage in Florida, and then we use all the rental income to pay down the house, we can get that paid off really quickly. And that's what happened, really. So we paid that off and ended up really, even throughout that time, we were always having conversations about like, what is the next steps? And for me, it was always, you know, retire early. And for my wife, she wanted to be closer to her family. So she actually had picked up very close to her family. She's Latina. So when she I feel like the best, you know, kid in the world or son in the world. I call my parents like once a week. <laughs> uh, I'm like very proud. And she would call them every day. And I was like, what are you calling them? What are you talking about? So she was very close to her family. And we had been talking about possibly once that mortgage was paid off, that we would consider moving down to Florida or back to Florida. And that was a big reason not only to get her on board, but to, you know, pay off that mortgage. And that's part of it. You know, that's part of the story. That's part of the reason for kind of taking that next step. And it's really, you know, you look at people in, I'll just say financial independence or even people that are just doing really well. And that's what I wanted to achieve. I had always looked at, I love the idea. I remember reading a couple of things where it was like using the triple tax advantage of a health savings account. And when I was paying off debt, I was like, well, that's great, but I can't do that. I can barely, you know, I'm just trying yes. to pay off $60,000 in student loan debt. So I wanted to do to me, like I'll call them the cool things. <laughs> not probably not everyone thinks that, but I wanted to invest. I wanted to get into to real estate, get into stocks and bonds through tax deferred, taxable, all of it. And that was motivating me to do that. And also I knew that I didn't mind my job. I also, I, I like, I wasn't in love. I wasn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't the, the train rides. Sure, I listened to a lot of podcasts, but I could listen Same. to podcasts without going to work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that ended up being a part of it, and you know, you end up learning a lot too. Because what I thought was my initial plan, right, was pay off this home, pay off this home. We're out. Talk to you later. Ended up, you know, ended up changing, and you end up. But when I say that, it ended up changing. But you know, the pursuit or anyone's financial journey in the pursuit of something better, because you're in a better financial position, you can do things that not everyone can do. You have different choices than other people. And it's even, 
I'll say for, uh, not even comparing other people, but you know, you have different choices that you might not have made because of where you're at. And that was a big reason that paying off that home, because we would we could have went down to Florida immediately, right? But we would have went down with two mortgages and attempting to do a long distance property management and try to figure it all out. And that wasn't what we wanted to do. We wanted to be in a better financial position. And, you know, that was big. That was big for us. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. I'm, again, vigorously writing <laughs> was so good. Wow. Yeah. Cause you start off with the end in mind, right? You've got financial independence and that led to a lot of the decisions, but you also allowed yourself to pivot as necessary. And that is so important. And I also like another thing you said where you talked about, you know, pursuing financial independence gave you options that you would have otherwise not have had. That is the goal. That is what I'm trying to spread on this platform. We want options. (laughs) And when you're tied to money, you know, and when you're in debt, like you just don't have options. And so now that you've paid off your houses, you paid off this debt and, you know, you're living in sunny Miami and you're now (laughs) a financial um, (laughs) education coach. What do you find the biggest barrier to people reaching their financial goals? Oh man, that's a good question. I think a lot of it is it's twofold. It's not having a plan. A lot of people don't have a plan, especially the people that I ended up working with. They're kind of just going through, right? There's not this big financial, there's not this, you know, do step one, step two, step three, and they're good. There's not, you know, an education that ends up coming from high schools and colleges. It's, it's a lot of high level stuff, even if it is. And chances are your parents aren't deep diving with you on credit card debts and, and whatnot. They might not, I mean, there's a really good chance they're in a worse financial position than you are or mm-hmm. were. You, like, you, so to have someone teach or, or, or share that with you. So having the action plan or having a plan, I think is one of the biggest things that stops people from really you know, following a plan because they don't have one. They're just kind of, well, I make the minimum payments or I make a couple hundred. But then after that, after you kind of have that plan or a direction, a path that you want to go, it ends up being somewhere along the line, I'll just say accountability and a little bit of maybe comparison to other people. But the accountability is the, it's the follow through because you can have a plan. Let's say you've got $12,000 in credit card debt. You can have a plan to pay off $1,000 every month in credit card and you'll be done in a year. Well, if you get in month three or month four and you don't have anyone, I'll say, cheering you on or giving you that tough love or you're just not you know, that into it, it's really easy to slip up and say, you know what? And then here's where the kind of the comparison and where you know, we live in a, a society today where everything is instant where we see social media is glitz and glamour. So you're seeing that making $1,000 credit card payments and then you see uh, whoever, right? Yep. Driving a Benz <laughs> or buying that jacket that you wanted. And you're like, you know what? I can skip this month. I'd rather have this. This is what I want to do. And the plan, those three, four months, went. not only did it, it go away, but maybe you increased the credit card debt. And so the accountability and really kind of, I'll just say like tracks, right? Obstacles to get in our way. That's what ends up kind of, I'll say not, even if they have a plan, not being able to follow through. And it happens, but it's like fitness and and finance Mm -hmm. are very similar. uh, (laughs) Where you have really good intentions, you get on a diet or you go to the gym and fall off the wagon. Like who's going to help you get back on that wagon? And that's tough. But at the same time, if you can get someone to help you kind of get through some of those hurdles, it, it makes a ton of sense. Oh, yeah, that is good. And I, yeah, I do that too. I mean, earlier episodes make a lot of parallels to working out and fitness. There's a lot of parallels to finance and fitness. Definitely. So looking back on everything in your whole journey, would you change anything about your financial journey thus far? That's another good one. That's another good one. <laughs> so, like in general, I would say, you know, my immediate answer is no, because I want to go through all of the, 
I'm not sure the, the correct terminology, but I'll say like the battle scars, the scratches, the, I, I want to go through all of it because I do believe, you know, it is a journey and you end up, you know, you take something, you know, in your life that happened that could make it a little bit better along the way. And also even just to be able to share with other people too, because when I hear other people's stories or when I talk with people, I can relate. I literally can relate because, you know, like, Hey, you got student loans. Like, yeah, I remember doing this. I remember that, you know, so I would say no. In terms of things that I could have done better. Yeah, there's a ton. <laughs> there's a ton. I mean, I bought a Mercedes Benz, what used regardless, but I basically bought a new car and then went down to Florida without a job. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But if that didn't happen, maybe I don't have, you know, like a breaking moment where I have to go through the process of selling something on Craigslist and, you know, talking with someone. And I don't, it's, uh, I'm not saying like butterfly effect or anything, but, you know, some of this stuff happens for a reason. And I'm happy I went through it. Even if it was, you know, if it was tough, it also says that I was able to get through it, which means I can get through a lot of things with figuring it out, I'll say figuring it out. Yeah, absolutely. That's good because if you, yeah, because if you don't go through that heartache of, you know, getting car moving down there for the lovely life and then having to move back and then the financial journey may not have started. We don't know, but I guess we'll never find out. Cause <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And you don't appreciate it. That's another thing that I think is super important. And I tell, uh, and I talk with my, you know, with my clients with this too. It's like when something happens, I like enjoy it. And when I say something happens, like if you make a, a big credit card payment or you pay off a credit card, celebrate that a little bit. Like you don't have to, you know, have a weekend in Europe, but I mean, buy yourself a, a coffee or your favorite drink or, uh, you know, order out at your favorite restaurant or whatever, because like you did something that's great. Enjoy that moment. Appreciate it because, you know, they don't always have like, I don't now pay off student loans or pay off credit cards. I have other different milestones, of course, but yeah, just enjoy it. And again, I would say appreciate it because, you know, they are, it is part of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I also appreciate that celebrating milestones too. That's important as well to keep you motivated. Absolutely. All right. Well, Steve, we're kind of going to get into sort of the wrap up questions. Your current favorite piece of advice or your current mantra that you're living by right now? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. So I would say when it ended up happening, I'll give just a small backstory was during the time we were, we were in a really good financial position and that we needed to actually spend more money on the things that we cared about. And that was important to us because you can't just either pay down every single dollar on debt or invest every single dollar you have. So something that I live by now and share with others is to spend more time, energy, and money on the things that you truly value most or what matters to you. And I also say it in that order. I didn't say, you know, I didn't say money first. So spend more time, energy, and money because family is a great example. Most times your family doesn't want this huge birthday present. They want you to be at the birthday party. Yes. And that's the time. And it's being, you know, it could be being present. It could be, you know, when your family gets sick and you have the ability to go you know, jump in a car to go to the grocery store to make them a soup or buy them the soup. And that's, you know, spending some energy and then travel minus the, the pandemic, but it's travel. It's uh, my health and fitness. So I spend more money on that now than I ever have. And my wife and my family. So those three things are the most important to me. And that's my, my, my mantra. And yes, and family, if you need a recap on values, I talk about that in episodes two, three, and four. So yes, I champion that as well. It's not so much of like depriving yourself, but what do you actually really value and, you know, allocate money and time and energy there. That is so important. All right. And next question, it's got a fun one. What's your favorite food or drink? Ooh, <laughs> so I'm trying to be like really good right now. So... <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> you yeah, right. Out, you know, you want <laughs> and you live in Miami, so it's a lot of good food. Yeah, out there. so no, I love food too. That's part of the travel too. It's not always just the, the, you know, visiting some cool city. It's like there's so much good food. But with that, 
I love me some good pizza. It's going to be hard not to say pizza for that. And I'm, I'm like all kinds. I'm talking anything from going to like these great restaurants to the dives to like a really good frozen pizza. I feel like that's underappreciated. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, that's probably my biggest one. Good pizza. Awesome. All right. And what do you feel like is the next move for you in your life right now? Man, uh, that almost felt like an interview <laughs> question. <laughs> Tell me where you're going to be in five years. No, then the next thing for me, for me and my wife, but you know, we're focusing on financial coaching and you know, I'm going through, it's really going through and figuring out kind of the what's next. What I want, what do I want to do with it? And whether it's spending more time and energy and money, for example, to, or it, is it, is it cutting it down to, you know, one or two days a week and figuring out if that's the right fit for me? One of the things that I've been, you know, truly blessed with in, you know, with our financial situation is having that freedom to be able to choose if, you know, it's the right avenue for me. And, you know, it, and that's tough in itself because you were taught, or at least that's, at least I'll say I was taught, that's how I think that to, if you're doing well and you're successful, you're making money. Like, well, what if you just enjoy it and you're only making a little money? Do you have to, like, what if all my investments are doing great and that's bringing in all my income? Does that mean I need to do more with financial coaching and build it to this $200,000 business? So it's figuring that out. And then always, like, everything else is always going to be about my values. So making sure that my wife's happy, you know, traveling, hopefully be able to travel uh, a little bit more in the latter part of the year. Yes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Or figure out something. I don't know if we're road tripping, we're, we're doing something, right? <laughs> yeah. We got to get out the house. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, health and fitness is always going to be super important to me and just trying to get better every day. All right. And then for uh, the final one, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, I had, so someone asked me, I'll say a uh, similar, something similar. And I would say my first answer or my first like response to that question in general is I don't need like a park to be named after me or a college business school. Like I, I don't need that. Like that's not the, the legacy or, or anything that I've ever really thought of. But in terms of I want to be able to have done this and hopefully I'll be able to do this even more is just to be able to help the people that are close to me when as needed. And I think we do that and we focused on that a, a little bit more in, you know, in the last couple of years. And so being known really just whether it be family or close friends or, I mean, coaching clients as well. I pour my heart and soul into the coaching clients. So knowing that I was able to help and that I'm a, like kind of that, like I'm a good person. And hopefully like I love talking with you because we both like to laugh, I can tell. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so just being able to, you know, go back and forth and be known for uh, just, you know, enjoying life as well with, you know, with a smile on your face. Not everything is perfect, but the more you can do the things that you love and do the things that you enjoy, or try all those things. I think that's really how I would want to be remembered that I was able to help people in, uh, especially in the personal finance avenue. But, you know, the ones that are close to me as well, if I'm able to help in any way. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, Steven, there so many nuggets. I got my notepad is full. Okay, I like write all the things down. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know that the Dumbcoins family will very much appreciate all the nuggets you dropped. So if people want to reach out to you, get some financial coaching, get some help, get some encouragement, where can they reach you? Yeah, so check me out at evenstevenmoney.com. That'll kind of go to the main, that's my main website. That's what, what I use. So I write there occasionally. And as well, of course, the money coach aspect. And on social media, I'm at everywhere, even Steven Money. I love getting the questions and the, the one-offs and you know, I, I appreciate it. Uh, so definitely, I'll say hit me up any way that, that you would like, anywhere at evenstevenmoney.com or excuse me, at evenstevenmoney.com. But I look forward to talking with one or many. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Steven. And that'll pretty much wrap up this episode. 
Ooh, y'all, was that good or was that good? Oh my goodness, so many nuggets. But I think two things really stuck out to me. Number one is that Stephen started with the end goal in mind. And because he has the end goal in mind, the route doesn't matter as much. And so he was able to pivot as him and his wife are working together towards truly becoming financially free. They were able to pivot. The second thing that I took away was more of an inspirational piece, right? Reminding me that financial wellness, financial freedom gives you options. And that's what I want for each and every one of us. It's not about money, right? Like Steven said, he doesn't need to have his name in a park somewhere, you know, Steven, you know, Donovan's bench, and he donated a thousand million dollars to get that bench. He doesn't necessarily aspire to do that. And if you do, there's nothing wrong with it. But ultimately, becoming financially well, getting your finances in check and not allowing debt to control you really gives you options to be able to live the life that you want to live. So I hope that you were blessed. Hit me up, hit Steven up. Let us know how you feel about this episode, what nuggets you got, what inspiration you got, what questions you got. And I'll talk to you guys soon. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email, hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also, feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.